performance artist Alton Dulaney might as well have art as his middle name. As public art program director and curator for all of Houston, Texas airports, Alton chooses how to allocate the city's substantial budget for displaying amazing works of art. As the best and only world's greatest gift-wrapped artist, Alton leveraged his success into the Great Gift Exchange, an interview-style how-to show that ran on YouTube for the holiday season in 2020. Also, in our formative younger years, Alton and I helped to create Peach, the performance art church. A performance art collective in the early 90s in Austin, Texas, that caused mayhem and chaos and sublime experiences in the music and theater venues across the South. Today, artist, curator, and the world's greatest gift wrap artist, Alton Dulaney, joins us to talk about showcasing the best art in Houston's airports and coming up with exhibits that appeal to a wide range of people and political persuasions. Plus, if anything can be art, what happens when AI computers get into the game? I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Houston, we don't have a problem. (laughs) Our guest today is artist and curator Alton Dulaney, who's best known around the world as the world's most famous gift rap artist, host of the YouTube series The Great Gift Exchange, and curator of public art Houston airports in the great state of Texas. But here at Feast of Fun, we considered Alton family as we share an extensive history together as performance art pioneers in the early 90s in Austin, Texas, with the creation of PEACH, an acronym that spells out Performance Art Church. Welcome back to Feast of Fun, Alton. Thank you, Fausto Mark. Good to see you both again. Good to be here. Now, you're in Chicago because you're part of a, a conference of art curators for airports. Such a thing exists. It does exist. And so we're here um, seeing the public art in Chicago, which is extensive, as well as curating the great collection they have at the Chicago airports. And you just won an award for like best curator of airports internationally. In the whole world. That's right. So I'm, I've been about five years now the curator of public art for the Houston airport system. Uh, we have one of the largest public art collections in the aviation industry, second only to Phoenix Airport, actually, in the world. We have a great collection. We have a super active performing arts program as well. We have live music five days a week on two different stages. That's 500 performances a year with live musicians. We have the only active artist in residence program in the United States right now. So we have live artists in the airport painting, drawing, sculpting every day. And a number of other programs, yeah, and so earlier this year, we were awarded by Skytrax, which is an international auditing firm, as the best airport art program in the world. What does the trophy look like? (laughs) Is it a big piece of glass or is it a certificate? It's a big circle with five stars around it, yeah. that's so nice. And and it's sitting in your office, or are they going to display it at the airport? We gave it to the mayor. We like, presented the to the mayor. lesbian mayor. Uh, so, uh, no, that's old. That's oh, old. She already, yeah. she's not there anymore. Yeah, now we have a, well, we have so- Mayor Sylvester Turner just for a few more months, actually, because we're about to have an election. You have an election every two years in Houston for mayor, right? Well, the openly lesbian mayor, Anise Parker, changed that. So oh, now it's did? every four years oh, good. and you get two terms. So he's ran, he's been in office for eight years. People ask you this all the time, but it's, I imagine that having that job must have been extremely competitive because everybody sort of wants that job in order to be able to shape not just, you know, what people see, 
mm-hmm. in Houston, but how the city is represented to international travels who go through the airports. Well, it is a great job and it is very competitive. And But it's a funny story how it came to be. Uh, you know, you and I went to the University of Texas in Austin. And since then, I lived all over and I always planned on getting my master's degree. And one day in Los Angeles, where I was living, I woke up and thought, you know, I never got that master's degree. So I applied for the master's degree and the University of Houston ended up offering me this great package of a full scholarship, my master's degree, a teaching job and a salary if I would come back and an opportunity to work with their public art program. Since and I was a pre- an art and major. a free pair of shoes. <laughs> I had to buy my own shoes. Yeah, cowboy hat, sh- boots. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cowboy hats and boots and a And horse. a gift certificate from Callahan's. <laughs> so yeah. I was back in Houston, Texas for the first time in 20 years, and I was teaching public art at the university and working with their public art program. And uh, on one of my tours, I met the curator of public art from the Houston airport. And I said, hey, I really love what you're doing over there. And I knew my contract was about to end with the university. And I said, you know, I'd really like to come and work work for you. Uh, and he said, well, you know, funny thing, I just got a job offer at another airport. I'm leaving town. You should apply for my job. And that's exactly what I did and got the job. Were you wow. nervous about getting the job? Like you felt like it was a scam or something? It was like, oh no, he's going to be burdened. Did you me. have imposter syndrome? Is, I think is what you're asking. No, I never have that. I think I deserve <laughs> everything and more. I'm a very deserving person. Well, you sort of have that uh, approach to life mm-hmm. that you you proceed as if everything's going to turn out great, and it does. I mean, you have everything you ever wanted in your life. I literally have that written across my dashboard in my car. Everything is always working out for me. It's my mantra. Because I really believe yeah. if, if you believe that, everything does work out. And even when it doesn't work out, it still works out, right? There's not much choice. Everything right. works out. No, I, I thought it, you know, I thought I was very qualified for the job. I have a huge long history in the art world. And I just finished a double master's degree, summa cum laude, art and art history. I've been working, you know, again, teaching public art, working for the public art program and running a nonprofit out in Splendora as well uh, for the artist James Searle. So I felt pretty qualified for the job and I got it. And they were like, give this man a job. And He's the guy we've been looking for. That's amazing. And, and, and I imagine that, you know, the job requires a lot of security clearance. And you've had a lot of adventures with me and other people throughout the years. And one, uh, can we talk about one of the most eyebrow raising stories is one of your students who was arrested and thrown in jail for defacing a Picasso painting. Yeah, so while at the university, I, I, um, one of my students, and, and who I became friends with, and I'm friends with now, another artist by the name of Uriel Landeros, uh-huh. uh, who is known in the art world as Conquista, um, you know, based on the Conquistador. Yeah. Um, it's an ironic term? Or? Befriended me. Okay. Um, and he's a good-looking kid. At yeah. the time. A man, adult. He's a man, yeah. yeah. At the time, I had had a piece of art in a museum on the university campus which involved a gun. And it was the time in Texas where campus carry was becoming legal. And so I made this gun as uh, this art gun. All of my art has the word art on it. I really believe that art is alchemy, right? And art has this potential to transform objects, images, and actions um, just by calling it art. And so I always put the word art on my art. It's always the capital A-R-T. And so I thought, well, can... Guns are so controversial. Can can I call it an art gun? And does it change the significance of the gun? <laughs> was it a working gun? It was a functioning twenty-two um, revolver. You and Marina Abronovic. Yeah. Uh, For people who don't know her, she was a performance artist who put a table and had all these everyday objects and a gun and it had a sign, you can do anything you want to with me. And somebody picked up the gun and pointed it at her head. Thankfully, did not shoot her. 
but they could have. That's when that performance ended. Yeah, Marina Abramovich has done a lot of controversial. Andy Warhol. Yeah. Uh, there's a number. Chris Burden famously was actually shot, shot by one of his students right. as a right. performance art piece called Shoot. So there was a lot of art history relevance for the piece I was doing. So And I, I included that in the dialogue about what I was doing. But again, this was at a time in, in Texas when campus carry was legal. So if you were a licensed gun carrier, you could legally bring a gun to campus. To a museum. Or to a museum. So my mother and I both went and took shooting lessons and gun safety lessons, and we got licensed. So we, we were legally and still are licensed to carry a gun, and, and I bought a gun. And I made it into a piece called Art Gun, and it was – they refused to show it at the museum. Because the law had a caveat that it had to be concealed carry and not open carry. So the fact uh. that I was exhibiting the gun was considered open carry, so they wouldn't let me exhibit the gun. So I took the gun out, but the way I'd framed the gun, it had an indention in the velvet to where the shape, the silhouette of a gun. And so actually the story, I had international press about this, but there were film crews outside the museum. I was like, it'd have been much easier if y'all would just let me show my, <laughs> my stupid art piece. <laughs> Anyway, so then this student comes to me oh and he's God. like, hey, um, I really like your style. This and is the uh, conquistador. Conquista. He comes Conquista. to me and says, I really like your style. Um, I want to work with you. And at the time, I was, again, using the word art on a lot of different things. And I was doing a series of branding. I was, brand, uh, I was branding leather. I was branding wood. I actually had a series of male art inspired by Ray Johnson, the artist, the male artist, where I was branding the word art on wooden postcards. And then I would drive to this little town outside of Austin called Art Texas, and I'd have them postmark <laughs> as art. And then I would send them in the mail to my collectors. Oh, and wow. I was selling these for like a hundred bucks a piece, these postcards to like help, you know, uh, you know, fun, fun, fun things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun my artwork. Yeah. And so he said, and I said, okay, well, what's your idea? And he said, well, I want you to brand me. So then I'm like, well, who is this guy? Wait, 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 <laughs> when he said that, what was your reaction? Well, I'm like, who is this guy? Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know him that well at the time. No, I didn't know him. I didn't know him at all. And he had signed up for one of my classes, my public art classes. I had already done a series of art tattoos where yeah. I had not tattooed people, but I designed the, the art tattoo and a couple of people had had it tattooed on them. So body modification was in my wheelhouse, but branding is a whole different thing. I'm also from a line of cowboys in Texas that literally branded cow. They were cattle wrestlers and branded cows and, and raised livestock. So it's kind of a historical thing. There's no cultural appropriation in this. It, I come by it very honestly as a multiple generation. You're not Texan. a fancy tourist from New York City. Right. I wear a Stetson, but I, <laughs> I also live in Texas. So turns out that this artist is one of the only two living Picasso vandals, we call oh them, in the world. The other one is Tony Shafarzi in New York City, who in the early 70s went into the MoMA in New York and, and, and stenciled something across a Picasso. Uh, that Picasso was heavily varnished, and the, the paint was removed. And by the end of the day, the painting was back on display in the MoMA. And he got a slap on the wrist, but it was just really... No one really knew how to handle that back then. Mm -hmm. It wasn't... It wasn't the offense. But this particular artist, um, Uriel Landeros, went into a very beloved museum in Houston, Texas called the Manil Collection and stenciled his brand, uh, the Conquista, on a Picasso that was at the time valued at you know, tens of millions, if not close to $100 million, mm -hmm. and oh my God. went to prison for it. it was How long was he in prison? Grand larceny, two years. He served two years, the best Did I understand. Did he plead guilty? 
He, yeah, it was obvious. He was caught on video and then he posted the video online. So it was, it was obvious who had done it. And it was a political statement because, you know, Picasso was Spanish, a Spaniard, and he was of Mexican descent. And, you know, who came and conquered Mexico was the conquistadors, right? Was the Spanish. So he was like, I'm reclaiming, you know, my, my heritage by defacing this piece. And so why did he want you to brand him since you're a white guy and he's a Mexican guy? Doesn't that sort of reinforce more of subjugation Yeah, because when, when you think about branding a human, you think about slavery. And slavery. Right, and branding has been historically used for yeah. marking property, right? Like uh, whether that's livestock or, or slaver, you know, uh, during the slave trade, slaves would be marked as well. Um, yeah, that was definitely a consideration. That was definitely a, a talk that we had. But he, he thought that because I was dabbling in controversial art, let's say, dabbling is maybe a, a weak word, but uh, that he... <laughs> Curious, enthusiastic. Yes, I was, I was exploring. Yeah. Again, I consider myself a conceptual artist. And like, what is the concept, you know, what is the concept? And then sure. how do we, how does it change something? Mm -hmm. So again, let's say that this is a loaded topic, like my gun piece, pun intended. <laughs> um, then does, Shoot, does calling it art then reposition this? Does it change it from an act of, of violence or an act of, you know, uh, subjugation, an act of ownership to a, a, a mutual act, a reciprocal, a reciprocal act between two artists? Uh, there's a new documentary out about this uh, event. Mm -hmm. It's called Conquista. It's touring film festivals right now, and it's winning great awards. I hope they do very about well. About him defacing them. About his, him. And as, you're in it. And yes, they interview me at the. Um, mm -hmm. From what I've seen, I'm one of the opening so, scenes. So what the brand? Wait, wait, wait. Like? So the documentary talks about him defacing the the Picasso painting, and in the story, they bring up the branding. Yes, I don't think he calls it defacing. I think he calls it his or performance modification. His performance art. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you get away with a lot <laughs> under performance art. Hey, man, it's art. Yeah. You can do anything. It's like, well, consider this prison sentence your performance. <laughs> <laughs> it's duration performance, right? It's uh, what is it? Uh, Linda Montano and Tashing Hai yeah. tying each other to a rope, bound I mean, for a year. For a year, that might as well be a prison sentence, right? right? So the brand yeah. is the mm -hmm. word art in all capital letters, and it's here on his chest and uh we did it there's there's a youtube video of it called I art saw. brand yeah uh, it's about five minutes long it's really good it's it, uh we we invoked the the four elements of earth water wind and fire and don't and, forget the fifth element and the fire was a do you know what the fifth element is no oh my god art you do not know what the fifth element is <laughs> the movie it's love oh yeah <laughs> That's from the movie. Yeah. Multipass. Multipass. <laughs> Come on, man. Anyway, yeah. so so how did it heal up? How does it look these days? So it looked great. And so part of the performance was that we had um, to show that it was a, a, a reciprocal event. We He heated the branding iron while I held it. He had the blowtorch. He heated it. And his partner at the time was an uh, is a woman who was an artist and was actually pregnant with her child. And she was there with the aloe vera. So part of the performance is we branded him. It just takes a second. It's just like, and it's done. He doesn't look like he's hurting in he the video. He never even flinched. He never blinked. He, he didn't. It didn't feel cold to him? You know, it's like when you're cooking and you grab the hot pan. By the time you realize that it's hot and drop it, you've, you've already picked it up and you're walked across burned, the room and yeah. burned. Yeah. So it healed well. It's, it's kind of, you know, he is a, 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 a man that has some color in his skin. He's kind of, you know, a... 
Well, the thing about the it is brown, it's when raised and white. Okay. Yeah. So when you're branding yourself or for, for, you know, like a tattoo, it's really important not to let it heal properly because then it won't scar and create that cool texture. But it seemed like a, it worked out fine. though. It worked out fine. And so he has the word art yeah. across his chest and, you know, it's kind of like, what we make is art. We yeah. become art. You know, our life is art. You know, all mm-hmm. of these mantras. And the thing I really want to, I mean, I like so many things about this performance, but um, he likes to say that Picasso is his canvas. And now I can say that he is my canvas. Oh, wow. So is he allowed to go nearby <laughs> any Picassos? Is like that part <laughs> of his release? He's a, he, but he's forbidden from life from reentering this museum in Houston. Restraining oh. order. Yeah. But what? can he go yeah. to other museums? Yeah. Because there's a there's a Picasso here in Chicago, like like you can walk up and touch it. Right. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> there's what Picassos everywhere. He was very you know? prolific, Picasso. I'm like, what's one lousy Picasso? There were so many of them. Right. I mean, he would well, paint like 17 paintings in a day or something. Right. right? He was you super know? prolific. One of my favorite works of art in any museum anywhere yeah. are two identical drawings at the Medill Collection done okay. by Andy Warhol. That were presents uh, given to the makeup company Max Factor mm. by, at first, uh, it was um, Mommy Dearest, Joan Crawford, Crawford yeah. and then Hedy Lamar. Mm. And what's really funny is that either uh, uh, Andy Warhol didn't tell both of his very famous clients that were doing the same exact gift, so he double billed for the same work of art. Or one of them heard about it, and the other one's like, not to be upstaged, did the exact same thing. And so it's a line drawing from an actor's headshot of Joan Crawford and Hedy Lamarr, and exact same caption. It says, to Max Factor, the only makeup I can truly not live without. I love it. And then their signature, you know. And, and to me, it's like, it's just such a beautiful, and they have it right next to each other, the Medill collection. They don't always have it up there. No, they don't always display. They have a huge collection. But it's a great work of art if you ever get to see it. No, I've seen it. I'm very familiar. I go to that museum all the time. Yeah, the Manils are terrific. And they're still collecting avidly. They buy work constantly. Do they help you out at the airport? Do they loan you stuff? No, I don't. I don't. Not yet. No? Not yet. We're trying. We're working with smaller museums okay. and and different cultural organizations. But so is, is that how it works? You you get loans from museums, or is, are you buying art? Well, um, first I want to say Andy Warhol is okay. one of my favorite artists in the world, and I yeah. feel like I'm very inspired his his sense of uh, theatrics and kind of mm-hmm. also I like that he said the greatest art is the art of business because I really believe that you know I lived in Chelsea for years mm-hmm. in New York City and art's a billion dollar industry so this paradigm of the starving artist is something that doesn't interest me at all I think we can all be very successful in the art world as well as any other trade so what is your favorite work of art in any museum or I uh, probably it's in your own museum at the airport but you know well so uh, you know, I play this game anytime I go to a museum. It's yeah. like, what's the one I'm taking home with me? I can't say that I do art consulting as well. And I have these great clients, these uh, Canadians in Houston. They're my number one uh, clients that I work with and great friends too. And I've uh, helped them place a number of Warhols into their collection, including um, they love rock and roll. They're from uh, they're from Canada, but just above Detroit. And so we actually have two of the Mick Jaggers by Signed by Warhol and signed by Mick Jagger. Oh, wow. So they're really incredible uh, pieces. So that's been really fun to 
to have like basically one degree of separation from Warhol to actually, because some of them I've even reframed. So I've actually touched the Warhols, you know, to frame them. Mm. Um, so in Houston, I have a couple of favorite things. At the Manil Collection, they have a Dan Flavin installation. And Dan Flavin is, is, of course, the artist that used all the fluorescent tubes of light. And they bought an old grocery store and converted it into a Dan Flavin installation that's just full of these. It's a rainbow in there. It's really wonderful. Uh, my favorite work of art at the airport collection is a piece by an artist from my hometown of Splendor named James Searles, a very established artist. And the great thing about this work of art is it was being exhibited in a community center out near Splendor in Montgomery County, Texas. And I was there curating a local art show of like local artists uh, at the same time that they were working to convert the community center into a wedding venue. And they said, that James Searles just doesn't fit because it's it's wood and, and mm -hmm. rustic and big and hulking and, and uh, you know heroic piece of sculpture, and uh, you know they want pretty things for the for the sure. wedding venue, so I negotiated a deal with the East Montgomery County Improvement District to l get the piece on loan for twenty years for one dollar, and then I worked with the United Airlines to pay for the delivery and installation of it. So basically, we got this half a million dollar sculpture for a dollar by one of my favorite artists, and now it hangs in Terminal C at Intercontinental Airport with millions of passengers seeing it every day. Wow, that's amazing. And as you're going through your office every day, you blow it kisses. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I, I did that. more so, than all the other ones. Is that a typical story? Like, how, how do you get the art? Do you lend from, you get from museums? Are you buying it? Is it, because this story seems like probably not typical, right? No, that's very atypical. So mm -hmm. we, we, the main way we get art is that, um, in 1999, the city council and mayor of Houston established an ordinance establishing that 1.75% of all eligible construction programs, that budget would be earmarked for art to beautify those facilities. So you can imagine that an airport is always under construction. It's mm -hmm. always growing. Even Chicago Airport just finished their new international uh, terminal, mm -hmm. right? So... Some of these projects, like we're just wrapping up an international terminal redevelopment program. It was a, over a billion dollars. So you can imagine that 1.75% of a billion dollars is millions of dollars for art. Mm -hmm. So then we do, we take this money and the way the city ordinance is written, that money can only be used for the acquisition of art and the conservation of that art that's in our, our, our art collection. So then we do um, open calls uh, because it is government, it is city money. So mm -hmm. we want to be as, as transparent about the, the purchasing process as possible. We do open calls, artists submit, uh, and then we uh, invite in other experts, uh, curators from other museums and airports, and we all get together and, and vote and choose the winning mm -hmm. pieces, which are then purchased and brought into the collection. Now, what's interesting, too, is like your job is, is based out of the marketing department for the airport. So, like, uh, you guys view the art as, you know, as an attraction in some way. It definitely is an attraction. Um, it's something that, you know, we view it as kind of the wow factor of an airport. Like, mm -hmm. every airport has curbs and baggage handlers and elevators and restrooms and right. concessions and those kind of things. But not every airport has this incredible art program, right? So we, we're really out to improve the guest experience, right? To improve mm -hmm. that passenger experience. At the same time, you know, me being an artist and an art lover, I want to promote the, the local art community and the art community at large. Like, I really want to promote that. So we're putting a lot of money into that creative economy. We're mm -hmm. really supporting that economy, that that factor of the, the business sector and bringing this art in. You know, imagine 
um, we serve about 59 million passengers a year. That's a million passengers a week that are passing through our airports. In comparison, the biggest museum in Houston gets a million visitors in an entire year. That means in one week, an artist in our collection has the potential to get as many eyes on their mm -hmm. artwork as they would being in the museum for the entire year. Well, and for a lot of people who go to the Houston International Airport, that's the only part of the city they see. You're absolutely right. Many of our passengers never leave the airport. They're just they're just yeah. uh, transferring from one flight to another. So for them, it's the only their only view of Houston. So. For example, in our new international yeah. terminal, all six of the new gates that we built have Houston artists. So it is the first thing people see or the last thing they see as they come into Houston. So I really want to have that community well represented. And then in addition, the other way we receive art, which also represents Houston and establishes that sense of places through what we call cultural collaborations. Mm -hmm. So I work with a lot of organizations like the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, who has this huge philanthropic branch of, of promoting young high school artists, and they give these scholarships out to them. So at the end of each rodeo season, I get all the award-winning <laughs> art comes to the airport and it's on display. And that gives people what they want to see because yeah. some people want to see cowboys when they come to it's Texas. It's Texas. It's Texas, after all. Right. That's I also what I wanted to ask you about because, you know, this is representing Houston, Texas. is one of the biggest cities in Texas. It's one of the biggest airports in the United States. And in your, you know, wisdom, in your capable hands, you are showing the world what Houston is. Helping establish that identity, yeah, what and Houston so is. And so I can imagine that it, the political pressure for you to do the job right is intense. There is political pressure, but I always believe in knowing your audience and playing to your audience, so I'm fine mm -hmm. with that. If I were a curator at a contemporary arts museum somewhere, I'd be doing a completely different programming, but I'm a curator at a public art facility, you know, at the airport, serving mm -hmm. Literally people from all over the world, every age, every race, every culture, every, you know. Political viewpoint. Political viewpoint, every persuasion. So I want art that is going to, you know, not, you're, no one's going to like every single work of art. But I, the last thing I want is for someone to see a work of art and be offended by it. So I'm not, I'm not trying to produce uh, or, or. Uh, show challenging work. I'm not trying to show a gun. No guns. <laughs> no guns. No brandings at so the airport. No, no Andre Serrano piss cross no, or anything like no. that. But what's really offending people today is not, you know, necessarily art about the body or art that challenges our established notions about politics or so on. It's computer generated art, artificial yes. intelligence. And, you know, I'm uh, very mixed about it, you know. As are a lot we of still mad are. about that, though? And people, a that? lot of people are very mad They're still about mad. that. I mean, Hollywood's doing a lot of striking. Oh, I heard it, about that so. little strike. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, don't be. Uh, don't be. What is so it, it depends on how you're using it, right? Right. You know, are you are you disenfranchising don't be a, scab. a bunch of artists? Don't be a scab. Support unions. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, all, everybody works at the airport as a union job, so you know. Yeah, we do have a union, but it, we're not. Uh, and I'm. A, I'm an. You're independent about it. Per. Well, I'm in, I'm a SAG union as well. Oh, you are? Yeah, because I've done enough Screen TV. Screen Actors Guild? Yeah, because I did enough TV that mm -hmm. I qualified for it. Um, are you really have a Screen Actors Guild card? Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, so see. Uh, but, you know, here's what <laughs> yeah. I feel about artificial. If you dream it, what's, what do you have on your Everything dashboard? is always working out for me. <laughs> Everything is always well, working out Well, here's a question. So as a, a SAG member, are you getting, like, health care through them? Or through <laughs> no, the no, I get it through the city. Is there any stuff. perks of being a SAG member? The perks is they collect my royalties, and so I get mailbox money. So occasionally yeah. I go out to the mailbox and I open it, and there's a check. 
That's awesome. For $800 from Drew Barrymore. Or there's a check for, sometimes it's funny, sometimes there's a check from Jimmy Kimmel for 17 cents. And I'm like, okay, they printed this check, they put it in an envelope, they put a 54 cent stamp on it, and they mailed me a 17 cent check. Couldn't they just do direct deposit? (laughs) I don't think that's how SAG works. I think they're old school. Because they collect it and then it comes from them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it comes from them. Uh, they want that paper trail. Mailbox money. I'm all about it. Absolutely. So, we, you know, with computer generated art, artificial, you know, because artificial intelligence is kind of like, you know, if you notice a lot of tech companies shy away from using that term because they consider it trashy. Right. Um, but you and I, you know, um, here at Face the Fun, we weird is good. It's fine. And strange is good. Celebrated and, even. And in celebrated, <laughs> you know, and, and part of it is like what a tracks me to AI is that a lot of people who normally wouldn't be making art or images are suddenly being like Miss Piggy as Darth Vader with the Rockettes, you know, and suddenly like, so there's a, there's this weird outsider populist angle to it that I really enjoy watching people's uh, manifestation of the weird and ridiculous be brought to life as an visual image. Right, like a Harry Potter as a fashion model. Right, like, you're the house of Valenciaga, Harry. <laughs> you know, we all saw that. Yeah, and, and and yet the the downside of that is that it is taking jobs away from working artists, and it and a lot of like you know theater companies and publishers and in, in movie studios, of course, famous notoriously so, are writing scripts or designing book covers or posters using computer generated art when they can afford not to. So, you know, they said that photography was the death of painting and people are still painting. They said that Netflix was the death of cinema. Mm -hmm. There's still, people still go to the cinema. I think calling it artificial intelligence, I think we'll move beyond this term eventually. It's what it really is. It's enhanced intelligence and it's trained by humans, right? In our our habits and our patterns Mm -hmm. and the algorithm. Right now, someday it might be trained by gerbils. It may train itself. Well, it'll probably train itself, but it's enhanced intelligence is the way I look at it. And as a conceptual artist, again, I'm really more interested as an artist in, in formulating the concept. And then sometimes how that's many times I, I farm out my work and it's, you know, back to Andy Warhol. You pay somebody to make a stamp. Someone else makes it. Do I need to know how to carve marble? Do I need to know how to do, you know, printmaking? Do I need to know how to weld? Do I need to know every single skill to make every single work of art? Or can I just have the idea and then have someone else create it for me? It's still my idea. It's still my work of art. So would you be using artificial intelligence software in your art making in the future? I mean, I'm already, we're already using it a little bit yeah. like through filtering our photos, right? Mm-hmm. That we're, po- we're posting on mm-hmm. social media. And I think that it's doing a great job. Why'd you stop using it? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, but I haven't. No, but I mean, it's like as a curator of art, if somebody comes up to you and says, you know what? I had nothing to do with this except I just typed a prompt into chat GPT and this is it. Well, you know? it, is it good? Well, that's the question. Uh, you're, you're saying anything can be art. And art is alchemy. Well, I'm saying art is alchemy. I'm not saying anything can be art. It has, I has to have a concept behind mm-hmm. it to me, but I'm saying a lot well, the of concept things. concept is the prompt. Up to it and brand it with the thing that says art. And like, now it's art. Right. But the, the thing about <laughs> it is, is, it's not so cut and dry, right? So if we're, if the prompt itself is the concept yeah. and the outcome is like, yeah, not that interesting. I mean, know? there's people that spend a lot of time painting a painting that I don't like in the Care end for. anyway sure. at sure. the same time. So, yeah. If I have the, if someone has the idea, the prompt is put out into artificial intelligence. They create the work of art. Is it good? You know, 
Do you uh, do you face any kind of backlash or any kind of obstacles or challenge as a curator? I mean, I know you as a friend and it's like and you're just a very and a lot of people don't know Alton. You're a very meticulous person. You're very organized. You have that gay gene that like Mark and I don't have that. But <laughs> where like every dot, every T, you know, everything in your house is, has a specific place. And I remember your apartment in Austin, Texas, where your bedroom was all these shelves. Do you remember that? It was all these shelves with mason jars. Oh, yeah. And you just had everything that you owned into tiny little mason jars, which was not practical, but it was beautiful. It looked good. <laughs> hey, I'm, it was Oscar Wilde said I may be superficial, but I'm deeply superficial. Yes, I, <laughs> I take it very serious. And, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with gay. I think it has just it, people function differently. Where Some people are more organized. Some people work better in chaos. Mm -hmm. I like to be very organized. And do I get backlash about that? Y'all know that everyone likes me. <laughs> well, except the person that was running against you for Mayor Splendora. <laughs> There's no backlash so there. You were, ran successfully were on the city council That's for the right. town of Splendora, Texas, a little town. Yep. East and, Texas. And you decided uh, before you got this job as, you know. That's right. Uh, you were trying, you're trying to be a politician and you ran for us uh, almost successfully for mayor of Splendora, Texas. Until I think it was a successful Sunday. race. It was a successful race. Although I didn't win the election. But, but it was close. You got like 45%. Yeah, right? I was, That's pretty good. I was first runner up. <laughs> On a two-person <laughs> contest. Is the cup half full or half empty? Right. <laughs> but that on Sunday, where everybody's at church, yes. on Baptist, a lot of these Baptist churches, they, they dug around and found a photo of you. And it, thankfully, it was not a photo of us together because there's plenty of those, uh, you know. But but uh, it was a photo of you walking the runway. Yes. In Europe. Yes. Can you describe the photograph? Well, I've been very blessed to live a very colorful life, yeah. and I don't have I have no regrets about anything. I did have right. a campaign manager that did scrub my social media before this because we were suspecting that it would be a contentious election. Um, and yes, something showed up from a. 20 year before runway show in London um, where I was topless with a You're electrical a guy, tape. You yeah. identify as male. Yeah. Electrical tape on my nipples and kind of this mohawk and, you know, smeared lipstick. It was a fashion show. It was a punk rock fashion show yeah. at Central St. Martin's in London. Yeah. And you were a model for it. It was not even something you chose to wear. It was something I wasn't that walking was down the street. Through, I was yeah. walking down the runway. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't see it that way. No. They that, said no. They said, is this who you want to be your mayor? <laughs> What was your uh, feelings when the people from your own community, this is a, a town that you love. You grew up in this town. You grew up, grew up there. These are people that know you. Well, I grew up there and I did leave yeah. the day after high school okay. and was away for 20 years. You know what I felt was I felt that I got 45% of the vote. I felt that was a, and you know, I felt I never played dirty. I yeah. had a very clean campaign. I only spoke positively. My mission was to beautify the city. I had a, you know, I had a, I was proud of the race I ran. And then at the same time, right as the election was happening, I got this job offer at the airport. And at the first year at the airport, I spent $2 million on art, which was more money than the entire operating budget of the town of Splendora. So I felt like, I got a much more fitting and appropriate mm -hmm. and kind of important job of uh, creating this legacy of public art that will mm -hmm. be seen for generations to come at the Intercontinental When God Airport. closes a door, he op she opens a window. Right. There's always, there's always something else. And you opened a lot else. of windows. Yeah. 
you know. But it so was, have you given up on Splendor? Are you going to run again? <laughs> well, I you mean, still have that little uh, uh, house. Like I do that? have a place there. Yeah. I have a street named after my family there, where I where I actually live there now because I'm Delaney Lane, Delaney Street, because it's so close to. Uh, uh, my office. Why didn't they name it Lane? I know. Well, yeah, it was Delaney <laughs> Road for a while, and then it changed to Delaney. That was another okay. thing I was going to do as mayor is rename a lot of the streets. Oh. Because Splendora was named after the splendor of its flora. So I'm like, oh. we need a we need a Crepe Myrtle Lane and right. a yeah. Poinsettia right. Avenue. Blue Bonnet Byway. Blue Bonnet Drive. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. But so. that didn't happen. It didn't happen. And um, yeah. and so I, I won't say that I've given up on uh, mm-hmm. political office forever, but I've certainly uh, refocused my attention to other things. Well, it sounds like you've got a fascinating job, and I'm sure it takes up a, a good chunk of your time. It does. And again, I'm, a, I'm full-time there. It's, it, is, it is more and, than a full-time job. And you job. have a new TV show coming out on QVC, That's coming right. out, which you can't name right now. That's right. But it's coming out. We're filming like at the end of October, mm-hmm. and it's, it's airing uh, this holiday season. And it is a gift wrap competition show where I'm the celebrity gift wrap judge as the world's most famous gift wrap artist. Yeah. So I, and this is a performance art character that I d- and created in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm at year 15 of being the world's most famous gift rap artist as a performance art piece that's now gotten national, international press. Yeah, I've been I mean, on every on TV show. All the talk shows. Yeah. Uh, you had a Netflix show last, two years ago? Two years ago now. Yeah. 2020. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Three years ago. Uh, well, before that, it was all, it, yeah. it was on YouTube and yeah. television shows. The Great shows. Gift yeah. Exchange Yeah, that was 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, two, yeah, it's been a couple Where, years. Yeah. Uh, It'll yeah. be three years. Well, so what was your moment. reaction when you saw Alton's first gift wrapping video? Because I remember you were like, Mark, because I, at this like, point in time, I, know I, this guy. I had not met you yet. Yeah. I had heard about you, of course, because you guys were to work together in Peach. Yeah. Um, you know, Alton But then is, I remember is, him so, and I'm just, because I, I think we watched it right there at that counter. It was, you were, it was pretty snazzy. Is it want, one of my gift wrap yeah. raps? Yes, that's what it was. That's what it was. Rapping? No, we yeah. were in a car and you showed it to me and we were just like, oh my God, he, he was just like, it was amazing. Well, it's corny and corny is your it's brand. Kitschy. It's kitschy. kitschy yes. right? Yeah. Kitsch is for sure. But part of it is that, you know, I wish I could distill your relentless enthusiasm and, you know, optimism. And give that to every human being on the planet. You know, if, if there's one thing your legacy can leave behind is that. It's just not taking no for an answer and just, you know, there's an expression in Puerto Rico that's looking for the fifth leg to the cat. Uh-huh. Cats don't have five legs. They only have four. <laughs> but every now, one in a million, you'll find right. a cat with a fifth leg. And part of that is this, this um, desire to find a solution where everyone else has decided there is no solution. Well, in art school, they teach you that art yeah. is problem solving, but I really think, I, I even think that's a negative way to look at it. I think art making is so solution oriented. You're looking mm-hmm. for solutions and it's just much more fun to be optimistic. Honestly, mm-hmm. I do it because it entertains me. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And even if I'm having like a, like, yeah, today I was about tired. bad things. It's a downer. It's a downer. It's a downer. Today I was tired and, you know, we'd been at this tour all day. I've been walking and I was like, now I got to go back to the hotel and freshen up and come over here and see y'all and do this thing. And I was like, ah, and then I'm like, what am I complaining about? I've got this great life. So I just start looking for things I like. I'm like, oh, I like that tree. I like the way that house, I like this Mercedes. I like whatever I'm mm-hmm. seeing. And it really just changes your attitude. So like quickly. whatever's in front of you, yeah. it'll change your attitude. Or look for things you like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I'm at the gym and the workout's going long, like it, it is nice to have a good looking person in the room. Inspiration. Yeah. You know, you want to find sure. inspiration in everyday life. Yeah. And it's even just walking down the street and looking at beautiful flowers, you know, while you're walking your dog 
can be transformative. Petting your dog. I mean, you, know? you guys have a beautiful dog. and Is he sweet? Yeah, and you guys are both very beautiful, too, so I'm sure you're oh, inspiring thanks. lots of people at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hope so. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, Alton, you're, you're family to me. You know, you and I share so many stories and so many adventures together. I want to hear some stories about Peach. <laughs> well, some of them we can't talk about on the air because they are pretty outrageous. Uh, but, you know... One story I want to hear from you is, do you remember what your first performance in Peach was at all? Do you remember at all? I don't know. I can tell you what I consider one of my greatest accomplishments, though, in living in Austin, Texas yeah. was, uh, well, there's two of them. Yeah. One was coming and guest hosting with you. Oh, on, that show de Faustina. On, on Austin Cable Access, Cable which Access. then spun off to my own show, Alton, Alton on, the spot. on the Spot. And we yeah. uh, were awarded the best arts and culture program. And believe it or not, Austin Cable Access still runs some of those episodes. Occasionally, someone will text me and they're like, you're not going to believe what I just saw on TV. Alton on the Spot from the 90s? Alton on the Spot from the 90s. So wow. That's, so that was a great accomplishment. And then I got voted... In the Houston or the Austin Chronicle mm -hmm. by Kate Messer. Kate X Messer. X Messer as the best dressed person in Austin. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> and that was one of my highlights of Austin, Texas. And that was really taking fashion to a performative level and like walking down the street, you know, dressed to the nines. I remember day. a performance you did, <laughs> which was your uh, uh, Carol Gilson, who yes. was your girlfriend at the time. Why? Or wife. Time. She, you were, no, she was already my ex. Were, you guys were separated, but yeah. you were still close friends. Yeah, still. And, are. and uh, I think it was Gail were on stage, and I don't know what you had told them, but like it, the best way to describe it, you were shirtless. You're wearing these like skin tight pants, and y there was like rock and roll music playing around, and they were cowering behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I remember. And I was like, going is like, so it's like a commentary on like pop music and how pop stars behave in stadiums, you know? I don't know. Do you know remember that I, at all? It sounds very threatening for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And so you I, had like eye makeup and stuff like that. I mean, the beauty of those, and, the beauty of that organization, yeah. those shows is we were doing monthly shows. So it was a quick turnaround and we were, and we were, Hosting, producing, designing the flyer, putting up the flyer around town, designing costumes, designing music and videoing them and doing the, you know, we were doing, and there was a group of what, 10 of us that we were doing. It was a collective of, of really uh, misfits. And we did everything yeah. for yeah. those shows. And so, yeah, there were. And, you know, uh, a lot of those people went on to do extraordinary things, you know, so like Sheila Murthy is a, a art teacher in China. Yeah. And Skip Shirey is a well-known name in the indie music scene. He sure. performs a lot with um, uh, Palmer um, and Amanda Palmer. And, you know, uh, Kurthy Fix is working on several documentaries and certainly best known for documentaries with uh, La Tigra or um, Magnetic Fields. Yeah. And, you know, and so all these people like went on to do really extraordinary things with their lives, right. you know, including you. Including you. And, and it's, so to me, it was like, it was a great... Um, think tank. It was a great incubation for us to go out into the world and bring that energy that we created for ourselves. And if I can tell anybody, it's like, find your tribe. Linda Montano said this to me, our teacher that we had in common. She said, you know, when you're feeling lost, find your tribe, find the, the, the 10 people that believe in you 
And if one person believes in you <laughs> just enough. You know that song from the Muppets? She told me to put on yeah. a blazer and act like I own it. And that's what I do. I so wear a blazer every day. Were you not wearing blazers? I was back in wearing the day? overalls and dresses and whatnot back in the day. You were like dressed like a, a gender nonconforming member of Hee Haw. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> that was totally my my theme. <laughs> was it? What, did you feel like a little bit like you had to compromise yourself to put yourself in a suit, or, or was it just like I mean, a role you enjoyed playing? Let me just say this is from the guy that would just take a roll of aluminum foil out of the closet, or out of the I, cupboard, I, and wrap it around you and go. He's got out. aluminum foil right. Right now, yeah. we could do it right now. The audience so, here is no stranger <laughs> no, so to no my hijinks. Yeah. So, yeah. so I may have been wearing a hee haw drag, <laughs> but at least I was not wearing aluminum. Foil. At least you had stitches. <laughs> yeah, there was fabric. <laughs> <laughs> but and it wasn't. Did you feel like when you put on the suit that it was like you're like, oh, but I'm not going to be able to do these other things? No, I didn't. I felt it opened something. so many doors, it and you doors know, you. I can go in anywhere I go, and I I feel like. I belong. Mm -hmm. So I can open any door. I literally go to, to parties that I'm not invited to and walk right in. If there's a velvet rope, I walk right up to the host and go, oh, hi, I'm Alta. And they're like, oh, they just moved. The, and I walk right in. And I feel like, yeah, everywhere I go, I walk around. And I have this phenomenon. It's the power of the suit. It's a power. It's a power. You can get away yeah. with murder. You can get away with branding somebody on their chest. Yeah. Make a documentary <laughs> film about you it. You can make a, bring a gun to an art gallery. Call it art. <laughs> Do you have a gun on you now? I don't because I'm traveling. Oh, okay. No, I don't actually carry it. I just have the, I have my license. Well, you don't want to answer that, that question, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's uh, concealed. Uh, Alton, well, you, you concealed. I got these guns. Alton <laughs> knows <laughs> Puerto Rican judo. Oh, know? he does? You don't know what kind of crazy shit you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what kind of skills you got. And, and so in terms of like the future, you have a lot of cool stuff. You have that QVC show. Yep. They're probably called some pun like unwrapped or QVC something. QVC Plus. It's going to be yeah. on their streaming platform again this holiday season. Look for it. Alton Dulaney, mm -hmm. the world's most famous gift wrap artist. I have work yeah. in shows right now. Uh, you know, I still have an active uh, visual art uh, life as well, career yeah. practice. So I'm still making art and selling art, a consulting business, um, a um, full time job at the airport, being the curator of public art for the world's best art program. Yeah, so life is full and rich and delicious. Did you know that the, he, he, to, this week uh, the city of Houston just said, you know what? Pride is such a great thing. We're going to have Pride 365 every day of the year. And I'm like, is that going to be like a parade every year? Or how is that going to manifest itself? But they declared that Houston's going to be the gayest city in America. Good luck. Good Good, yeah. good for and them. they're going to be celebrating Pride all the time. Wow. Well, we do have a very active gayborhood, and a lot of cities don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Montrose is still very uh, robust. It's still very thriving. I. It's the only place in Texas or far. We can't do that in Chicago. When you're done going to the bars at two in the morning or four in the morning, right. you can go out to eat at a diner. You can do that 24 hours. But a nice, one of those nice diners, yeah. you know, like Kirby Lane and Austin's closed now. Right. and. You know, here in Chicago, Nookies isn't open anymore. Yeah. We weep. Oh, the weep. We weep. What we lost during the COVID pandemic. Listen, you don't need to be out eating at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> nothing good. Nothing good happens after no. midnight. <laughs> I got to tell you, I mean, the, that pot roast with the uh, glazed carrots at Nookies was pretty extraordinary. And speaking of gayborhoods, you know, gays are alchemists too. 
what transforms a neighborhood? You bring in the gays, you bring in the artists. Next thing you know, they're cleaning it up. They're planting flowers. They're painting things. And now you've got gentrification going on. The prices are going up. So, Gee, thanks, gays. <laughs> thanks, gays. As if people didn't hate us enough as it is. Right. <laughs> so it's the gays and the artists. They're really transforming things. And, you know, and again, art is sure. alchemy. Yeah. I mean, when you're gender and, and sexual non-conforming person, it's like everything is not taken for granted. You know, your very safety, your very existence and so, so somebody like you who, you know, uh, I remember that you found this book about a, this gender nonconforming person who left Splendora, Texas and came back and you were like, this is the story of my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> they came back on roller skates and paraded through town. And, and I was like, that's exactly me. Yeah, the, t the novel is actually called Splendora and it's by Edward Swift and um, has a great uh, cover illustration as well. And you can still find them eBay and stuff. Did you reach out to the author and say like, you, you found my story. I did reach out to the author and never managed to find that author oh. and connect with that author. But I have recently befriended the illustrator who did the original cover art, who's an artist that still lives and works in New York city. Oh, I'll, wow. Before we wrap up, uh, one thing I noticed in, in all your press materials and articles and your website, you capitalize the word art. Yes. It's a, it's a, like an acronym. It's A-R-T. Yeah. It's ca all caps because I'm shouting about it. I'm not whispering about art. Why I'm not put an exclamation mark like wham? <laughs> Make it big. <laughs> Maybe I do. <laughs> so, so for you, like uh, in the future of this idea, this is something you carry for the rest of your life. Oh, it's a very, you know, yeah. for... Well, I will say that it was Linda Montana that said art is life. And art in everyday life. She has a book. Yeah. And inspired, you know, yeah. to live an artful life. And so it was early on, I started really looking at myself as the work of art. And and for years, I wore a monogram of the letter A on my clothing, on every piece for of Alton. clothing. A for Alton. Like uh, so, Laverne and Laverne and Shirley. Well, uh -huh. like Superman more, but yeah. Well, that would be in the center. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> it was in the center. There was the A in the center. Yeah. Promoting myself, but really just promoting this idea. And then I started uh -huh. conceptualizing this idea of what is an artist and what is art. But the art, to call something art, is kind of implies that it was made by an artist. So the fact that I put the word, the text on it, A-R-T, that means, oh, so all of my work is self-referential. It's referring back to me as the artist who has declared through this alchemist-like magic that now this thing is no longer just pigment on fabric that's a, a painting, or it's no longer just a clump of mud that I'm calling a sculpture. It's no longer... You know, any of these things, it's no longer a gun or a weapon, but it's a work of art. It's empowering, too, because then, you know, as somebody who may not always be seen or heard, now you have the tool or power to not only you be seen and heard, but others to be seen and heard. And I really love that I've managed in this life, and I think life is long and there's a lot to do still, but that I've been able to find the platform to get that message out. So to, to be heard, to be seen, whether it's, you know, myself in my, is the world's most famous gift rep artist, right? Like getting this kind of national press on an annual basis for the last 15 years, or whether it's in my profession of, of creating legacy art for, that millions of people see every week and that will be seen, you know, for decades to come. But the world's most famous gift wrapping artist is not like a wrestling title. It's not like somebody's like out to get you to <laughs> steal your title. So the title yeah. did come, the, yeah. the, the, the initiate, it initiated from a competition called the most gifted rapper, uh, in New York city. And I had been to, I've told you all this story, but mm -hmm. I'll tell you again. I'd been to, um, 
Europe for a wedding. And mm -hmm. I was working as the creative director for a paper goods company in New York. And we, we flew back in and they had nominated me to, to represent them in this gift wrap contest. And it had a $10,000 prize and I wanted a new sofa. And I thought, I'm going to win that. <laughs> so I it was, wanna... just, it was a, a, just a reason to get a sofa. It was just, a, you know, I needed something. I, I saw the goal. It was I, so fun. Yeah, I, there, was a, there was the light at the end of the tunnel I was aiming for. But it happened. Did you know how to gift wrap at the time? Yeah, I was a creative director at a paper goods company. And okay. We had gift wrapping with five stores across Manhattan. And we had lots of gift wrappers. And I worked with them. And I, I steered them. And, but they also taught me. Some of them had been wrapping gifts for 25 years mm. in department stores. You know, so they, these, these mostly women, they knew how to gift wrap. They really knew how to gift wrap. And the the secret is to crease the edges. Oh, gift wrapping is a snap. You yeah, use that yeah. finger <laughs> and the thumb and you run it along the edges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it happened to be filmed in Rockefeller. Or the competition was being shot in Rockefeller Center and NBC was there. It was like the, all the news media was there. And so the minute I saw the cameras, I said, oh. They want a show. And my background in performing arts, I'm like, yeah. oh, I know how to give a show here. So what did you do? And so instead of unrolling the paper, I was unrolling the paper and throwing it across the stage and, you know, unfurling the ribbon. I was dancing with the ribbon around me and spinning around with it. And when I, when I needed to wrap something low to the ground, I threw myself on the floor and crawled up under the grand piano to wrap it. And the cameras were all focused on me. Of course, I won the money won the grand prize. I was crowned the most gifted rapper. And then they immediately sent me, uh, th they saw that I was also super comfortable in front of the camera. So they sent me to Good Morning America. Okay. I'm at Good Morning America. I'm there. I'm about to rap with a host. And one of them says, oh, you know, in New York, when they film those morning talk shows, they're like sometimes with the window behind with the mm -hmm. street, sure. people on the street behind. And they're like, oh, there's, there's someone trying to get your attention. And I turn around and it's Linda Montano standing Aww. on the sidewalk this is a true story. It's a sweet moment. Waving at me. And like my baby boy made it. He's on Good Morning America. They put me on a plane that night. I flew to LA. I was on a talk show the next day. And I've been on every daytime morning and evening talk show. Wow. Amazing. You were on Drew Barrymore before the strike. That's right. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, you're no scab. <laughs> yeah. I really liked Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I'll have to defend her. I think she's a, she made a mistake with that. You know, she did. But, but she did. Hopefully, but she can undo the damage and, and support already. unions. You know? Yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough one when you have an entire crew and all of their families depending on you. When you're a host of a show like that, there's a lot of money riding on that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not taking a political side on that. I just think she was in a tough spot and probably. Could have waited a week and it would have fallen on. I think it was 10 days. <laughs> 10 days, yeah. Oops, bad well, timing. Will but. you be giving up your SAG card? No. There you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, Alton, uh, may you continue uh, stamping art mm -hmm. on things infin infinitely. Yeah, my brand. Yeah. yeah. Can you stamp uh, uh, stamp your art on us? I did bring you a refrigerator magnet. That's as close as we're going to oh, get tonight. Great. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait to fly into uh, Houston Airport and see what you got cooking down there. Thank you. And when y'all do yeah. come, give me a the, holler. The, you I'll said the, you tour. The, the best thing to do is just get on the moving sidewalks because it's like all the art comes at you. We have areas like that. Yeah, yeah. we have uh, ride-by galleries where you just ride by on the moving sidewalk. And what's your favorite place to eat at the airport? My favorite place to eat, I don't want, I, there's a great pizza place. They make pizza to order and it comes, it's really quick it's and really delicious. Nice. Yeah. Plug it. Yeah. It's your place. It's the, it's oh, stuff, oh, you don't want there. <laughs> all the people at like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese are going to be like, what? He put, he put there's no Chuck E. Cheese at the Houston yeah. airport. No, ah. we have a great pizza place and we just, we're just expanding now. So we're yeah. bringing in a lot of local restaurants too. So it's not 
just chains. It's like there's a lot That's of local great. restaurants too. So I noticed that as a trend in a lot of airports. They're sort of trying to be more regional. It's guest experience. Like you know, you want to know when you fly into. Houston Airport. You're not flying into LAX. You're not flying into JFK. You fly in O'Hare. They, you know, how are you in O'Hare? How are you in Charles de Gaulle? And so it is through all of these amenities that airports offer, their art program, their uh, their concessions choices that really help define the sense of place. So get to the airport early. Yes. Show up early, get through that TSA and, and, and enjoy all the public art. That's right. That's a good idea, you know, because a just, lot of these airports are adventures waiting just to be Just buy had. a ticket and just go hang out in the airport and don't even get on the plane. Just right. spend a day there. I mean, <laughs> they probably don't want you doing that. <laughs> well, and I even make a point. I make a point of putting yeah. some uh, uh, a lot of the art pre-security okay. as well, because this is community money. This is community. A lot of them are artists from the community, and I want them People to be able to see, to see it, it yeah. without have to, having to have a ticket. Mm-hmm. I was just at the Chicago airport, and their um, rental car facility has four major works of art that's open to the public. Anyone can just walk in there and see it, including Nick Cave. Wow. True. Famous artist from Chicago. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Alta Delaney lives in Splendora, Texas. That's right. But he's in Chicago here. And of course, uh, visit altandulaney.com. On the spot. Yeah. Alta Delaney everywhere. On, on The spot is the dot com. Yeah. You were ahead of the times by doing the on the spot, but because everything is now dot something. I like to think I stay ahead of the curve, <laughs> just slightly. Remember, folks, Feast of Fun is made possible because of your financial support. This fall season, your automatic renewal is happening for your membership, where you can access thousands of legendary interviews with artists and thought leaders and wonderfully kooky people all around the world, and only at feastoffun.com slash plus. You can also join us for an ad-free experience on Patreon at patreon.com slash feastoffun. And of course, if you like the show, review it on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like it, also review it. Let us know what, how we can be better. Share the show with your friends. We listen to your... Of course, I'm on Fausto Furnos at Instagram and Mark Felian mm-hmm. on Instagram. And Alton Dulaney Everywhere. is on Everywhere. Instagram as well. That's right. Do you remember what the last thing you posted? A picture of myself today. <laughs> well, all right. With the word art next to it, probably. On my bell buckle. <laughs> Thank you so buckle. much for coming and joining us today. It's really always delightful. fascinating talking to you about these adventures you've had and, and continue to have. Thank you both. I really admire your um, perseverance in, in doing so many of these. It's a really great program you run. It's Thank a labor of love, and we, and we love you. Bye. 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 Bye.